0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening from across the world. I am Anike Ade, host of the Knowing God podcast, and I'm so excited to be back. We are on our third week of the Exodus series, and we've got quite a few weeks to go because Exodus is a pretty lengthy book. We are going to be starting from chapter five, and we will be doing five and six today. But before we go in, we're going to sort of just take a look back at what we read in chapters three and four. And uh, if you remember, in chapter three, God meets with Moses in the burning bush. And uh, we we learned from this that when God was making his appearance in those days, uh, because, again, he was probably looking face to face at Adam and Eve, but because of their sin, God was far from them. God became far from man because our God is holy. Our God is pure. He is clean. He is without blemish. And so he cannot be around sin, let alone even look at it. That's what his angels are there for, to see the sins that we're committing and, and bring it back to the Lord. You know, This is why the Lord has all these eyes that are watching, because he cannot look at sin. He cannot even face the thought of sin. Uh, and so we learn that Moses meets with this angel of the Lord who who appears to him in a flame of fire in the midst of a bush. And I was just as amazed as you are that this bush was not on fire, yet he sees flames of fire. Mm, how mighty is God? And, um, you know, the Lord spoke to Moses. And at this time, he was calling Moses on an assignment. Moses was picked on an assignment. And his great assignment, his great task was to lead the people of Israel to their promised land, a land that is flowing with milk and honey. And these people are descendants of Abraham, Jacob, and Isaac. And we learn uh, that uh, Moses can be quite a bit stubborn. He does not necessarily take heed to God's words. He showed uh, a lot of moments of doubt Uh, Remember in chapter four, when God said he would speak through Moses, that he would be Moses's mouthpiece. But Moses insisted that he bring somebody else in his stead to speak because he felt like he wasn't good enough to speak before the people. And God was angered by this. You know, God is never going to do something um, to your will. You have to go according to his will. So there's always a purpose for when God still answers you. But understand that there's chastisement behind it. And I think as we read further, we'll get into that. But God decided to choose Aaron, Moses' cousin, to do the speaking for him. So now he's speaking through the two of them. And um, as we go a little further, Moses and Aaron are given instructions on what to do in terms of returning back to Egypt and warning Pharaoh that God that he excuse me warning Pharaoh that he should release God's people and allow them the three-day journey to go and worship their God and of course God said Pharaoh's heart was going to be hardened and sure enough it was he was like who do you think you are I'm not releasing you and decided to make their work their labor 10 times harder um, and so something I wanted to kind of double back, and I don't know if you guys noticed it in chapter 4 from verse 22. It says, Then you shall say to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, Israel is my first, is my son, my firstborn. So I say to you, Let my son go, that he may serve me. But if you refuse to let him go, indeed, I will kill your son, your firstborn. So I read in um, from verse uh, 24. I was a bit confused at first. I said, wait, what's going on here? And I had to read again before God made it clear to me. And it came to pass on the way at the encampment that the Lord met him and sought to kill him. The hymn referring to Moses, because in verse 25 of that same chapter four, it says, Then Zipporah took a sharp stone and cut off the foreskin of her son and cast it at Moses' feet and said, Surely you are a husband of blood to me. And verse 26 says, So he let him go, he being God, because it's capitalized here. Then she said, You are a husband of blood because of the circumcision. And then the Lord said to Aaron, Go into the wilderness to meet Moses. So he went and met him on the mountain of God and kissed him. And this is where Moses, uh, you know, and Aaron's journey begins. But these few verses right here was basically showing that He was sending Moses on an errand, but Moses had not fulfilled a law that was laid out. And that law was to ensure that these babies, when they're born, that they are circumcised. Because if you notice, Zipporah cuts off the foreskin, but she did it out of anger. She didn't really want to do it. So I think it kind of lets us know the type of wife um, Moses had. I don't, you know, she was from that land where he uh, escaped when he had killed those men, if you remember back in chapter two. Uh, So Zipporah out of anger... Cuts the foreskin of her child. You can imagine how painful it probably was then, because they had an older son. It wasn't like he was a baby. You're supposed to do it eight in eight days when you're born. You're supposed to be circumcised as a man. And Moses had not done it. God was about to deal with Moses, and it, the spirit must have entered into Zipporah that I'm going to have to do this right now. If we are claiming to be, you know, children of Israel and we're children of God, because this is God's law. You get it? So I just wanted to throw that out there in case people were confused when we read that part, like, whoa, where did that part come in with his wife, you know, cutting off the foreskin. So that's where that came in. All right. So uh, before we get into chapter five, I just want to say once again, welcome. If this is your first time ever embarking on the journey of reading the Bible, I sincerely implore you to get a Bible yourself. Um, I'm sure you can walk into a church and they can give you a Bible if they're charging for it. woe unto them but i'm sure you can get a bible if not amazon is our best friend these days you can definitely get a bible off of amazon it's not it's not expensive um unless you're looking for it to be very fancy but you can get king james version new king james version uh you know to me the closer to when it was written for me i like you know and reading the new king james version because i feel that it would be easier for Uh, many of the listeners to understand at least those who aren't versed in the King James Version. Plus, I don't have to keep stumbling across my words trying to perfect the language used in King James. So I think the new King James Version um, helps a bit better because it still kind of sticks with the King James, but there's uh, plain English uh, mixed in it as well, so it works. Um, Knowing that English is a baby language, by the way, but hey, we thank God we understand that one common language. And so, yeah, please, I I beg you, get your own Bible. We did the Genesis series. You can read it on your own if you want to. You can go back a few um, episodes and you can start with the Genesis. Again, I am not a Bible expert. I am not a theologian. I am just one who has given her life to Christ, accepted Christ in her heart. I believe that Christ is the son of God. And I believe that God has a purpose for me and a calling for my life. And I know part of that is to ensure that his people are being fed his word because this word is our tool. It is our weapon against the unforeseen, the things that we cannot see with our naked eyes, a.k.a. spiritual forces. When we have this Bible inside of us, when we have spirit and truth inside of us, we are able to conquer everything supernatural that comes our way. We are able to bind on earth so that it can be bound in heaven. We are able to loose on earth so that it can be loose in heaven. But the only way we can do that is with the power of the Holy Spirit, the fire of the Holy Ghost. So with that being said, let's get on into Chapter 5, to verse, what is it? Chapter 5, excuse me. Heavenly Father, we're about to bark on your word. We are going to read chapters 5 and 6 today. I pray, Lord God, that you will speak through me, decrease me completely, and you increase in me, O Lord, and let the Holy Spirit speak throughout this entire show. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, chapter 5 is titled, First Encounter with Pharaoh. Afterward, Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. Me is capitalized, so this is God speaking. And Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord, that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, nor will I let Israel go. So they said, The God of the Hebrews has met with us, please, Let us go three days journey into the desert and sacrifice to the Lord our God, lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with the sword. Then the king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron, why do you take the people from their work? Get back to your labor. And Pharaoh said, Look, the people of the land are many now, and you make them rest from their labor. So the same day, Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters of the people and their officers saying, You shall no longer give the people straw to make bricks as before. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. Oh, imagine, as if they weren't suffering enough. Verse 8. And you shall lay on them the quota of bricks which they made before. You shall not reduce it, for they are idle. Therefore they cry out, saying, Let us go and sacrifice to our God. Let more work be laid on the men, that they may labor in it, and let them not regard false words. And the taskmasters of the people and their officers went out and spoke to the people, saying, Thus says Pharaoh, I will not give you straw. Go, get yourselves straw where you can find it, yet none of your work will be reduced. So the people were scattered abroad throughout all the land of Egypt to gather stubble instead of straw. And the taskmasters forced them to hurry, saying, Fulfill your work, your daily quota, as when there was straw. Also, the officers of the children of Israel whom Pharaoh's taskmasters had set over them, were beaten and were asked, Why have you not fulfilled your task in making brick both yesterday and today as before? Then the officers of the children of Israel came and cried out to Pharaoh, saying, Why are you dealing us thus with your servants? There is no straw given to your servants, and they say to us, Make brick. And indeed, your servants are beaten, but the fault is in your own people. But he said, You are idle, idle! Therefore you say, let us go and sacrifice to the Lord. Therefore go now and work, for no straw shall be given you, yet you shall deliver the quota of bricks. And the officers of the children of Israel saw that they were in trouble after it was said, you shall not reduce any bricks from your daily quota. Verse 20, then as they came out from Pharaoh, they met Moses and Aaron who stood there to meet them. And they said to them, let the Lord look upon you and judge because you have made us abhorrent in the sight of Pharaoh and in the sight of his servants to put a sword in their hand to kill us. And this ends chapter five, bless be the word of God. My, what a painful thing. You, you you, trust in God, You, when you hear that God is speaking, again, God has chosen a servant that he's gonna speak through to us. He has heard our cry, he's getting ready to take us out, take us to our promised land only to be given more work to do, only to suffer even more. In fact, to be beaten, to provide the same amount of work that they would have been, they would have done when they were provided the straw to do it. Now they're not even provided the straw to do it. They have to use something even less of a material, cheaper material, and they have to get it themselves to do it and meet their quota. Man, did they suffer. So you can imagine the anger and the disdain they felt towards Moses and Aaron because, hello, you are the mouthpiece that God is using. Let's get on to chapter 6, which is titled, Israel's Deliverance is Assured. So Moses returned to the Lord. I'm sorry, forgive me. We actually didn't finish chapter 5. Verse 23 finishes it. So let me get to verse 22, which was titled, Israel's Deliverance is Assured. So Moses returned to the Lord and said, Lord, Why have you brought trouble on this people? Why is it that you sent me? Okay. Moses, why does he do this? He, you know, this reminds, Moses reminds me of us today, right? God calls us to do something and we are energetic. We are psyched up. We are revved up. We're ready to get it done. And then something happens and we get mad. We start to complain. And then who do we complain to? God. We now question what he has blessed us with. At least we don't see it as a blessing yet. God, why did you give me this to do? Oh my God, it's too much. I'm suffering. I mean, what makes you think that I can complete this? Why, why, why? Who do we think we are questioning God and his authority over us? God said that he came to save us, That he did not come to bring confusion or pain or anger or hurt. He came to take us away from all those things. He came to give us good things, good life, so to speak. But the Bible does make that clear. And so we come and then we argue and we yell and we ask God, why? Why not you? Should it be someone else that will eventually reap the fruit of what you could have gotten? Verse 23, which is the actual last verse of chapter 5, says... For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to this people. Neither have you delivered your people at all. See how Moses says, your people, you didn't do this and you didn't do that. And now they're suffering and it's going to make me look bad. Why is Moses trying to take the glory in all of this? God sent you on a task. He said that I will be with you. He said, do these things. This is what's going to, he forgot the entire instruction. God already even gave him foresight. Pharaoh is going to harden his heart. He's not going to want to do it, but I will show him that I am the I am. Just trust in me. Oh, Moses. So now let's move on to chapter six. Then the Lord said to Moses, now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand, he will let them go and with a strong hand he would drive them out of this land. And God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord, amen. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty, but by my name, Lord, I was not known to them. I have established also my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land of their pilgrimage in which they were strangers. And I have also heard the groaning of the children of Israel, whom the Egyptians keep in bondage. And I have remembered my covenant. Therefore, say to the children of Israel, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will rescue you from their bondage. And I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. I will take you as my people and I will be your God. Then you shall know that I am the Lord, your God, who brings you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. And I will bring you into the land, which I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I will give it to you as a heritage. I am the Lord. Mm. Can we stop at that verse eight for a second? Come on, would would, would you just hear what God is telling you and me today? I have a covenant over your life. There's a promise I kept with you. And forget the word promise, covenant is even stronger. It means it's a bond that he will not break unless you do not go according. You do not want to be broken off of the branch. The Lord is saying, I am going to rescue you. I am going to save you. That situation you're facing, that problem that you're going through, that you think you can do on your own, but you failed every single time, it is now time to give it to God because God gave it to you. Yes, he gave you that burden. He put you through that test so that he can see if you're prepared for what he's about to bless you with. Hello? Are you prepared? Can you handle the blessings when they come? Will this bring pride, which will eventually bring downfall? Or will this make you more humble than ever? ever that you would want to be a blessing unto someone else come on somebody can I get an amen if you're listening God would never leave us nor would he forsake us do not be a doubting Moses because Moses doubted quite a few times even though he was the meekest of them all let's continue verse nine so Moses spoke thus to the children of Israel but they did not heed Moses because of anguish of spirit and cruel bondage and the Lord spoke to Moses saying go in Tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to let the children of Israel go out of this land. And Moses spoke before the Lord, saying, The children of Israel have not heeded me. How then shall Pharaoh heed me? For I am uncircumcised lips. (laughs) Here we go again with Moses doubting. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, and gave them a command for the children of Israel, for Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to bring the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt verse 14, and from this verse on it is titled the family of Moses and Aaron. These are the heads of their father's houses. The sons of Reuben, the firstborn of Israel, a.k.a. Jacob, were Hanok, Palu, Hezron, and Carmi. These are the families of Reuben. The sons of Simeon were Jemuel, Jamin, Ohad, Jashin, Zohar, and Shul, the son of a Canaanite woman. These are the families of Simeon. These are the names of the sons of Levi, according to their generations, Gershon, Kohath, and Merari. And the years of the life of Levi were 137. The sons of Gershon were Libni and Shimni, according to their families. And the sons of Kohath were Amram, Izhar, Hebron, and Uziel. And the years of the life of Kohath were 133. The sons of Merari were Mali and Mushi, these are the families of Levi, according to their generations. Now Amram took for himself Joshebed, his father's sister, as wife, and she bore him Aaron and Moses, and the years of the life of Amram were 137. The sons of Izhar were Korah, Nipeg, and Zikri. and the sons of Uziel were Mishael, Elzapan, and Zithri. Aaron took to himself Elishabah daughter of Aminadab, sister of Nashon as wife, and she bore him Nadab, Abihu, Eleazar, and Ithamar. And the sons of Korah were Aser, Elkanah, and Abiasah. These are the families of the Korahites. Eleazar, Aaron's son, took for himself one of the daughters of Putiel as wife, and she bore him Phineas. These are the heads of the fathers' houses of the Levites, according to their families. These are are the same Aaron and Moses to whom the Lord said, Bring out the children of Israel from the land of Egypt according to their armies. These are the sons, uh, sorry, these are the ones who spoke to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to bring out the children of Israel from Egypt. These are the same Moses and Aaron. And it came to pass on the day the Lord spoke to Moses in the land of Egypt. And this is titled Aaron is Moses' spokesman that the Lord spoke to Moses saying, I am the Lord. Speak to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, all that I say to you. But Moses said before the Lord, behold, I am of uncircumcised lips, and how shall Pharaoh heed me? And this ends chapter six. Please forgive me, I was trying my best to keep up with the names that you know like they're they can be pretty tough to pronounce so hopefully you were following along i think the best way to really grasp the names the lineage who is who who belongs to who type of thing you may want to listen to this but also read along and then you get like oh okay that's the son of this and that's the son of that but basically what what was being laid out here and what moses was trying to show us is that the people of Israel God is referring to are all these families by their name that was mentioned just now of the Levites, right? So I would say, for instance, it could be me, the Akinbode family. And of the Akimbode family, their daughter get married such and such from another family and they had this many kids and their son married such and such from this family and had this many kids and their kids had kids from these families. So basically the generations of their forefathers, those made up the Israelites at that time of whom he was referring to that he wanted to take to the land of Cana, to their promised land. We're going to stop here, and I want to talk for a moment. You know, Moses, though considered the meekest, um, and I think we, we will learn this throughout the chapter as we read on in Exodus. Moses, though the meekest, was, to me, the most querying person ever. Like, it's like, the way God has showed himself to you should have been enough for you to not doubt one second what God was asking you to do. To definitely believe that Christ could come and pick you up. You know, it was that bad. It was very bothersome. I was hurt by the fact that Moses could even think of doubting God one bit. But then it makes me think of myself. It makes me think of us as believers, most especially. It's so funny because those who don't even follow Christ, they live by a doctrine, right? They live by this thing called faith without even knowing the type of faith God wants us to have but they just know that I gotta have faith. I gotta take a leap of faith. I just gotta make this move. I just have to do this. And I just know that if I stop doing that, this will be better. The only difference between that is the enemy tricks us into believing that when we have faith in ourselves, we can do what we set out to do by ourselves with no help, that the power lies within us. No, we cannot do anything alone. We actually do not have the power to solve anything because it is not by our power. It is not by our might. It is by the Spirit. It is by God's power. It is by seeking God in everything that we do through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. We can't save ourselves. No, we cannot. It is the Holy Spirit that prays for us, that fights for us, that intervenes for us, that helps us to, that helps us to save us, so to speak. Because if we were left alone to save ourselves, like it says in the book of Philippians, I love Paul. Paul is like, hey, listen, I'm a born Jew in Philippians chapter three. He's like, I'm a born Jew. I was born a Jew. Like, I mean, I I lived by the laws and everything, but I let those laws make me become so over-religious that I was persecuting fellow Christians, fellow Christ followers, because I did not believe in this Christ that these Jews were able to see. So by default, I became a Pharisee. In other words, the law is there to be kept, to be followed. But if we were to live by just these laws alone, we would all die. We would never make it. No one would ever make it to see heaven. You'd never get to know all these beautiful things that are talked about when the new Jerusalem comes. We would never get to know or see it because of flesh because we are slaves to sin. But you can no longer be a slave to sin once you have decided liberty in Christ. There is freedom in Jesus. We just have to search for him. How do we do that? It's this word, people. It's the word of God. And that is what we're doing now. We are reading, we are learning. We haven't gotten to Jesus yet. That is Jesus that came in the physical. But throughout this entire book, Jesus was always there. And we'll learn, we'll we'll see this. And I pray that the Holy Spirit even reveals that to you during your own quiet time with God, when you're reading the word, when you're praying. It's such a beautiful thing to come to the knowledge of who you are, to come to the realization of the purpose God has for your life. Moses was called for a purpose and Moses is purpose was to set the Israelites free. Whatever the Israelites chose to do, those who, you know, went against His word and didn't believe or were too tired to wait, they have to face the consequences. But then there are some of us, there were some of them who still believed in this God, who believed that there was more power. I don't want us to lose sight of our purpose on earth. Our living care is temporary. Our task and our goals are meant to be completed. And when I say task and goals, that which was laid upon us by God. Remember what he said in Jeremiah, that before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you, I have plans for you. God has plans for each and every one of us that are called. Many aren't chosen. But many are called. If you want to be among the few who are chosen, then it is time to live according to the scriptures. It is time to allow Christ to abide in you and you in him. It is time for you to align yourself with those who are Christ-like-minded. That's a word. Align yourself with those who are Christ-like-minded. Do not let the world transform you. Do not let the world shape your thinking. Do not let the world determine how you're supposed to eat, sleep, think, or breathe. Let God do all that thinking for you through the power of the Holy Spirit. When you open up your arms and you stretch it forth to the heavens and you say, God, fill me with your spirit, if you are truly who you say you are, I believe you, but I feel like I believe you even more if you did this. But you've got to do it with faith. you got to do it with the sense that You want to serve God. Do not be ashamed of the gospel. So my brothers and sisters, I thank you so much for tuning in. Remember, when God calls you, whether it be in your dream, whether it be through a prophetic message, please obey the voice of God. Be patient. Listen. Move when he says you should move. Stay put when he says you should stay put. Trust in his every word. He will not forsake you. He will not leave you. He shall see you through. He will be your rock, a.k.a. Jesus Christ. He will always be there. And whatever word that is meant to flow from your mouth, it shall flow like riving water, like the living water of life. God bless you. I pray that you subscribe to this platform and I hope to see you guys next week again. Take care and remember to put God first. Have a blessed week rest of the week.